to Travolting, covering domestic disturbance. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Stuart. So, I was noticing watching this movie. It's a bit of a disturbance. A disturbance in what? A little bit of a domestic one. A domestic disturbance? That's right, folks. We're talking domestic disturbance this week. Have you ever heard of this movie before? I had never heard of this movie. <laughs> Me neither. This movie certified does not exist. I mean, it it it, it doesn't exist in the sense that it, it seemed to have been wiped from everybody's memory. Yeah, like because it you, exists. You know, at the end of Men in Black Two, where they they activate the Statue of Liberty is like the big neuralizer and it wipes everyone in New York's memory. That was they did that with domestic disturbance. With domestic disturbance, um, <laughs> no one has any memory of this movie. So, yeah, like I mean, there are lots of John Travolta movies where it's like I've never heard of. Yes, this being one of them. Yeah, this is this is very much in the no one has ever heard of this movie category. And no. To be honest, like you're not missing out. But we're we're gonna talk about um how insane this movie kind of is. Yeah, I mean I don't want to give it too much credit. Like it's not that crazy. Here's the thing. Um this movie has a seventy five million dollar budget. Which is ten how? ten to fifteen more than the movie we're talking about next week, Austin Powers in Goldmember, an action movie. A spy action movie with CGI. It's all Battlefield Earth is a hundred million, and that is a whole. This movie has one like set piece, which is a place on fire, and there's one fight scene at the end, and it cost seventy five million dollars, which is why this movie is a massive flop. What? What? Where did that money go? That I want to know. Go? This was a laundry. This was scheme. Cl- like it has to have been. This movie was a laundering scheme because this movie is essentially Halloween or like a say a slasher movie. Except a what if it was just Vince Vaughn in a business suit hunting you down. Yeah, I don't know how to really classify this movie. It's a slasher movie with Vince Vaughn. It's so funny. Who who wrote and directed this? So this movie is directed by Harold Becker. As he... So <laughs> he is a, a longtime journeyman of Hollywood. Like, he's never really had like a mega hit. Never been nominated for a big award or anything. Just like consistently turning out movies that make enough and then just go and play on cable on repeat for years and your dad catches half of it one day while after he's done mowing the lawn is there any can you give me an example he has i'm gonna bring up his other movies uh harold becker i should have this stuff ready to go but i did not i'm coming in unprepared this week well we took a look tiny little hiatus that the audience probably doesn't know about yeah. because we're consistent we're consistent but okay we backlogged a lot of episodes and now we're coming back into it so his other movies are malice with uh adult alec baldwin and nicole kidman mercury rising uh sea of love and domestic disturbance are his top four on imdb none of those are movies that i've really ever heard of before aside from malice has uh like a long random speech about fuck you by uh, alec baldwin this is written by Aaron Sorkin. But for the most part, Harold Becker's just one of those guys who makes consistent movies, never really argues with the studio, just a journeyman on his way. Okay. And this is uh this is one of those movies for sure. For Travolta, we're coming in like right after this is the first movie he films after Battlefield Earth has come out. Because they, you know, Swordfish and uh, Lucky, Lucky Numbers were filmed before Battlefield Earth had come out. This is Battlefield Earth came out and it was recognized. Yes, people. This, had this saw movie it. was made with the knowledge of Battlefield Earth being the biggest flop of all time, basically. Wow. And so it's a clear. Oh, it's kind of an attempt by Travolta to get back to his, something a little simpler, uh, even though it has a seventy-five million dollar budget. He's he's at this point where he's too big to fail in his career. Like he can't work on a small project, even a small project that he works on inflates to a seventy five million dollar budget because of his pay. Because of his pay, and just like I don't know if it was that or if it's just the people he works with, or just when his name gets attached, like budgets get bigger. But he he's just he's he needs to resettle himself with a small indie like he did with Pulp Fiction, and instead he just keeps going bigger and bigger. And even the small things he goes to are huge. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting point. This movie. I mean, I'm just, 
we talked about this a few episodes maybe in the past, but like Battlefield Earth, such a calamity. Calamity. That was his fault. Yes. Like, because... And he's in damage Blowout control mode made now. me want to feel bad for him. This movie makes me want to spit on him. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just going to be... I'm going to be honest about that. But, yeah, like, I just... I'm, I'm seeing seeing him is really tainted his image for me in my eyes because mm-hmm. of that horrendous movie. <laughs> and looking a little bit ahead in the future does anything really bring that back he has a few more successes none like major but he has a few more and they're why we're still in our consideration of the show still in the a-list era because even though he took a hit with that he's still an a-list star he's still getting bigger projects and he has a few moderate successes after this uh, so just movies like Hairspray and Bolt that we'll be talking about down the line. Hmm. But uh, this is not one of those successes. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, do you have very much context for this? I mean, this? That, that's basically the extent of it, that he comes in right after Battlefield Earth. He's trying to recenter himself, but just even the small project he picks becomes a big project. Yeah. Okay. And it's not going to do his career any favors. No, it is not. Nor Vince Vaughn's. <laughs> I, the only reason I asked about the writer-director is because this movie is like the perfect like, 12, 14-year-old screenwriter mad at their stepdad script. Mm-hmm. Like if anyone who's like from a broken home uh, who had step-parents that they weren't very fond of. Mm-hmm. This is like if a kid got sent to his room by his stepdad. He's like, fucking jerk, and then I'm just going to write a script about you being a murderer. Because <laughs> honestly, it's like, it's like, was there any outlet where the stepdad could have been the good guy? <laughs> like, no. From like the very get-go, we're led to believe like, you know, well, maybe not from the get-go, but like this movie is centered around stepdads are evil. So the the writer of this movie is Louis Colick. Um, his other credits are... October Sky, Ladder 49, and Charlie St. Cloud. So he's, he wrote another John Travolta Yes, movie. we'll be talking about him again with uh, Ladder 49. Interesting. A bond forged, forged by fire is never broken. A bond forged by fire is never broken. That is the uh, the tagline for Can you uh, believe Joaquin Phoenix is in Ladder 49? John yeah, Travolta. we're going we're to get to talk walk. They share the screen together, Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix and John Travolta. Yes. Huh. In, I mean, I think it's interesting. Okay. Um, so the movie starts? Mm-hmm. So the movie starts. Um, Very standard opening title sequence of like random shots of this town that they yes. live in. Uh, I kind of like the opening credits. I was just like, it's cameras moving back and forth. Or uh, not cameras, like images moving back and forth as the names appear. Yeah, well, it's meant to be serve as a descriptor of where this is all taking place, which is small New England esque town. So, so here's the thing: I want to talk about where this where this movie's set. Where is this movie set? Jeff? So this movie's supposed to be set in Maryland. Maryland. And they say it's by DC. The thing is, the town's called Southport, and it was filmed in Southport, North Carolina. But they keep saying Maryland. <laughs> so I just I don't know what what's going on here. What? Because if if you're if you're going to set a movie in Southport, North Carolina, it's a coastal town. That's fine. They filmed it there. But they're like, no, it's in Maryland. But they still have all the Southport signs. Interesting. I didn't re- recognize it. I didn't realize yeah, that. It's very strange. Huh. Um, just They just really wanted it set in Maryland. Yeah. Uh, they, for some reason, we're like, yeah, it's Maryland. Just so that they can have one line where Steve Buscemi's like, oh, I was in D.C. I thought I'd pop by. Oh. I mean, Southport's still like within driving distance of D.C. It's like three or four hour drive yeah that? and it would be believable that he drove there mm-hmm. to meet Vince yes. Vaughn in the story whatever so, yeah the movie starts with these opening credits and then it gets the best thing any movie can ever have in its opening credits uh, the words and Steve Buscemi <laughs> <laughs> talk about your love for Steve Buscemi there's Jeff. Uh, there's no one there's no one like him King don't miss uh, Steve Buscemi's just great and I was very happy to see him in this movie and I loved him in this movie he's really nice he's really you- good 
do you think that God himself stays in heaven for he too fears what he's created? The spy kids, the island of lost dreams. Like that happened in a kid's movie. Yeah. Steve Buscemi just dropped a fucking bomb. Yeah. And then he got out. Now Steve, Steve Buscemi is just the great, he, he like, he, he looks like a stubbed out cigarette in this movie. And I say that in like, as a compliment, like he just looks like a cigarette that was stubbed out. That's his face. <laughs> You say that as a compliment, yeah. though. He looks he looks lightly roasted, <laughs> but still pale. Um, <sighs> All right. So Steve Buscemi, Vince so, Vaughn, and, John yeah. Travolta. And who, then, el- who else is in this movie? I forget her name, but she was in uh, the Meet the Parents films as uh, Ben Stiller's wife. Um. Um. Oh, there's also Danny Matt O'Leary as Danny. Terry Polo. Terry Polo is Susan, um, his ex-wife. So, yeah, movie starts, and we're introduced to John Travolta, who's a, a shipmaker or a boat maker. He makes wooden boats. <laughs> Did you say shipmaker? I said shipmaker. Okay, shipmaker. But he makes wooden boats. He's a, he's a yeah. A woodsman, a craftsman. Yeah. Um, and his business is going down because no one wants to buy wooden boats anymore. They want to buy plastic. And he has a really close relationship with his son, Danny. And he's divorced. Yes, and he's divorced from his wife, played by Terry Polo. Yeah. Who is going to get remarried to Vince Vaughn playing Rick Barnes. Yeah. Who is this Rick Barnes? He's a guy who says he just came into a lot of money in the stock market and bought some property in this town and is just kind of coasting off that. So he has money. He has money. And he's a friend of the town. Yeah, seems friend like. of the town. He's a new arrival, but he's a friend of the town. Everybody likes him. Everybody supposedly likes him. because he has money and he's charming. Yes. Um, John Trolls has a good relationship with his ex-wife. A deep, they're not, yeah. They're not too antagonistic. They had they share custody. He gets him a few days a week, um, and he's accepting of her getting remarried, even if he finds it difficult personally. Yeah, and, and he just wants what's best for his son. Yeah, um, uh, maybe too early to talk about Travolta's performance, but like especially throughout this like first act, um, I didn't find anything necessarily wrong with his performance like his character yeah, Travolta's is fine in this he, he's not given much to work with right except for like a few scenes but yeah i i agree with that it, it's um, he's giving a competent performance in what is at the end of the day a cable tv thriller yes like th- this is made to be on tnt very much so yeah. it's a good description um so yeah the what's the boy's name again uh danny danny so they, they go to danny's basketball game and they're going even though they're divorced they're going as a couple for to support Danny and is Rick there already or Rick is yeah he's there he's there at the basketball game he's there uh, but oh no he drops her off but he does not come in right because okay. Danny said he wouldn't play if Rick came because he doesn't like his stepdad or his to be stepdad he thinks it's a betrayal of his father yeah and at this point like they've all they're already engaged uh the mom and Rick um. And they get there, and Danny's not at the game. He's not at the game. They get a call from the police. Did you take a bite of the nut? I took a peanut, yeah. Peanut? Okay. My no regrets. Um, right. So they go to the police station. They're like, Danny, why'd you try and run away? And he's like, I'm just so mad. Well, and they set up something that I think was pretty well. By the way, I think the first act of this movie is like, okay. It kind of cooks. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you agree because I was like, am I like, I felt kind of yeah. like because I knew this wasn't this a movie good... jumps the shark. Well, I and never recovers. Yeah, and like, I I just I always thought like like because I knew this had bad reviews, but I'm watching the first act of this movie and like nothing's causing me to hate it. Yeah, because they well something that they set up pretty nicely is like how did he run away from the basketball? He snuck in somebody's car, mm-hmm. which is foreshadowing so that's going to happen later. So yeah, Danny is at the police station. Um the Terry John Travolta. Um, I really need to know like characters' names in this because I do not know their names. Frank Susan. Morrison. Susan's the name, and then it's uh, Frank. Frank. Susan and Frank. Susan and Frank. Frank being John Travolta. They show up and they talk with Danny. Yes. And again, he's like, "I'm mad. I'm just so angry. I'm so angry." Danny's like, he's pent up rage. Yeah. That he's so, so mad that his mom is like, mar- like engaged in marrying this other guy. Um, John Travolta is trying to be like supportive of supportive and set a good example like you know like Danny should give Rick a chance yeah and so he brings Danny shipbuilding and makes a deal with him that he'll go to the wedding if Danny does 
Yeah, right, right, right. And we are, we are introduced to a thread here that I'm very confused by. So John Travolta is also in a relationship. He is. Why is he so bitter at his ex-wife for getting remarried? And why is Danny so bitter when John Travolta is also in a relationship with another woman? Well, I think this is a clear case study of parent favoritism. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, like Danny clearly likes his dad more yeah, than his mom more. significantly more. And it might've been that way even when the two were together, Yeah, which oftentimes is a driving force of divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bring back Mrs. Doubtfire with Robin Williams yeah. and Sally field, right? That's Sally yeah. field, right? Uh, the kids obviously love their dad, Robin Williams much more than Sally Field, and it I've kind never of seen the the guy who re-edited Mrs. Doubtfire is a horror movie. No, <laughs> it's a trailer re-edited. It's really good. You watch it. Okay, we'll watch it. Um, but and yeah, I think I think for this case in domestic disturbance, like he clearly just likes Travolta more yeah. or Frank more than Susan, his dad. Um, and so he sees it as his mom's way of solidifying the divorce for sure meaning there's no way that there's no getting mom and dad you can't go home again and it's his mom's action of doing that so he has a reaction against that i think whereas you know travolta dating or frank dating somebody else like Mm. it does yeah open that question of like what why is he all like pent up about it but again i think and also she is engaged to rick yeah, and it had been in a relationship with Rick before Frank had met. What's his girlfriend's uh, name? Diane. Diane. So, that's my guess. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, yeah. So uh, they make an agreement to go to the wedding together. Yeah, Travolta goes with his girlfriend Diane. Yeah, with Diane, and they get married. And then, as they're saying their vows, who shows up? It's the Bush himself, Steve Buscemi. The Bush. He shows up and he just kind of slinks off to the side and like raises his beer. And Frank drink. sees him come in. Yeah. And Frank's like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And, and he's uh, oddly curious about like. He's weirdly curious about this guy just because he notices Rick gets concerned when he sees him. Well, and it's like, have you ever been to a wedding where you know one side very well, but not the other side? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who you're not going to recognize. Yeah. But why is like Steve Buscemi, who's like ominously standing. Yeah. In the back. Gets his attention. That's the Because wh- he, he notices that Rick like gets kind of scared when he sees him. Right. So he's curious. So he's curious. Um, so he talks to They get Ray. married, and then Rick pulls Ray, uh, Steve Buscemi, aside. He's like, what do you want? Ray's like, I found you. Surprised you. Fa- I found you. He's like, when we were in the joint, we would talk about what you're going to use all our money on. You owe me some money. So they already lay the groundwork for some criminal activity between yeah. these two. Now, do they say what exactly? No. no. Because I, I thought it's like, oh, they're bank robbers, which mm. would have been really cool. <laughs> right? Wouldn't this yeah. have been a much cooler movie if, like... They're bank robbers. But they aren't, aren't they? Like, I don't think they are. No, they're, they're just, racketeers. They're racketeers. And he's also killed people. Because. Attempted murder. Mm-hmm. He hasn't killed anybody. He just... Yet. Yet. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, so... But yeah, they're already talking about criminal activity. We we don't get the details quite yet, but we know there's a, a money that is owed to Steve Buscemi. Yes. And so... From Rick. Vince Vaughn, Rick, is saying like, hey... It's so funny that Vince Vaughn's in this movie. I, I'd love... I've, have you ever seen a Vince Vaughn movie where you were slightly impressed by his acting skills? There, his, he's good in some comedies, and he's actually... Serious Vince Vaughn is a very mixed bag. Uh... Okay. There are Vince Vaughn in a serious role is really only good when he's being slimy and mean. It's like he's the drill sergeant in Hacksaw Ridge. He's actually pretty good in. Yeah. Um, I have not seen True Detective, but I've heard he is peak slime in that. Um, but when Vince Vaughn pops up as either like a slimy character or in a comedy, he's usually pretty. He's he carries well. But any role like this that we're seeing. Yeah, no, not really. He tries to play like a serious guy. Not even, and more than just a serious guy. He can't do serious. A villain, like like a jet. He's supposed to be scary. Yeah. And uh, just for yourself, were you ever scared of Vince Vaughn in this movie? No, that's why this movie rules. (laughs) (laughs) This this movie is shot like a slasher movie. It's it's shot like Halloween. (gasps) 
idea. Except instead of when the camera like pans around, you look in the mirror, you see fucking Vince Vaughn <laughs> instead of Michael Myers. Idea. Yeah. Swap the roles. John Travolta. Is John Travolta's Rick. <laughs> and Vince Vaughn's the dad. Mm. I don't know. It might work. It might work. I think John Travolta as a serial killer, though, would be funny. Combine the roles of his dad character in uh, She's So Lovely. Mm. Combine that with... What's a good villain role that he did? Broken Arrow? No, I was going to... No, Broken Arrow. No, two... Those are all comedic villains. Mm. Trying to think of, like... I'm taking like the big and scary dad, yeah. combining him with like a psychopath version of himself yeah. that he's played, but like subtle psychopath. He's really done that. Yeah, really mm-hmm. hasn't has any. I think we you would run into the same problem of Travolta if he was playing the serial. The way this movie is structured, the serial killer like is very funny, like unless you cast like a really intimidating actor. Who could play the stepdad and be good? Uh, like you need to cast like I could buy a James Woods in that role. Hmm. From General's uh, daughter. Yeah, like General's daughter. James Woods could do it. You just need someone who has an air of like sinister to them. Could you buy him as like the charismatic though? <laughs> It'd be kind of a problem. Um, and like handsome enough mm-hmm. for the mom to marry. Like he's a little older already. You just need someone who can do menace well. Yeah, with just like their looks. And Steve and Vince Vaughn just looks funny. Yeah, I can't think of who at the time might have been like this. Two thousand one, right? Yeah. 2001 when this came out uh <laughs> oh, wait wait a second i might know somebody because i mean there there are plenty of people and I've, i i'm sure if i thought about it i could think of some i'm just not really thinking about. well it. i'm just trying to think stephen lang yeah he was in like, stuff around like i can think of anyone who's played a psychopath in a movie they could probably pull it off I think Stephen Lang could have done something pretty well. Stephen Lang. The blind guy in Don't Breathe. The Quaritch in Avatar? Yeah. No, I I like I genuinely think he probably could like do it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um uh he's mostly in TV in the early 2000s. But Vince Vaughn has the look, he just doesn't have the Like he kind of looks like a he has the smarmy businessman look. He just can't pull off when he turns into a serial killer. Yeah. Okay. So they get married, and it's established that and Vince Vaughn's like, I'm, tells Ray, I'll put you up in a, a hotel while I get the money. Yeah. and Which is just code for him trying to figure out what his plan is. Yeah. And meanwhile, Frank starts talking to Ray. And Ray tells him, oh, yeah, we used to be in business together. I was just in D.C. I thought I'd pop by. And then he talks to um, Rick about it in a little bit. And Rick tells him, oh, yeah, we've been friends since childhood. And Travolta's just like, oh, these are two different stories I'm getting about this guy. It's a little weird. So, but he doesn't think about it. A few uh, a few weeks later, he sees Ray in a diner. Because not really much that happens between those two. Oh, they, Rick and Frank both go sailing together with Danny. Yeah, that does happen. As a bonding experience to see his two dads together. And... They have some conversation, yeah. Travolta and Vaughn. Vaughn offers to buy a bunch of his boats. Yeah, he's like, I'm trying to, I bought this a hotel, resort. a resort or something, and I want to get a bunch of boats. Mm. So he wants to buy. And he's like, well, we're kind of in busy season. And by the way, like, part of the issue, there's two issues with Travolta's business here. One, he doesn't charge enough for the boats, yeah. as described at the very beginning. Uh, cause he's too nice and he loves the, he's one of those, like he works for the craft, not for yeah, the he money. Works for the community. Yeah. And then secondly, he, he, the other reason is because nobody wants to buy boats. Yeah. Two reasons why they said like Travolta's poor in this movie. So then here comes Vince Vaughn and he's like, well, Hey, like I want to buy a bunch of boats. And then Travolta is like, like kind of hesitant about yeah. it. Yeah, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. know. We're pretty busy. He doesn't like, want to feel like he's working for his wife's new husband. He yeah, be putting that subservient. Yeah, it's like the, there's a power dynamic at play. Right. It's he's so like, what's the word? He said power dynamic, but there's another word about it. It's like so demasculine. Yeah, Dema- he doesn't want to be uh, de- demasculated. Yeah, demasculated, and so which that's it's the pride that's getting in the way there, mm. which is a weird reason, but yeah. whatever. So, um, 
then he t- he tells Rick, "Hey, if you want to get to Danny's heart, there's two things you got to do." What's the first one? Because the second one is buy him stuff. It's like make sure he knows that you love him. Oh yeah, know that you love him, and then buy him stuff. And buy him stuff. And he said, "I think he's looking for a really good glove." Yeah, gives him a pointer. Yeah. So Rick buys Danny a glove. Um, and then is really harsh with him at a, well, they when start they're playing catch. playing catch. And when they're playing catch, like Danny's not throwing well. Danny's not throwing well. He's like, I used to play catch my dad. He's like, Well, if your dad was so good, why the fuck didn't he uh, teach you how to throw a ball right? And this movie's rated R. Or no, it isn't. It's PG thirteen. Which is a problem. Yeah. That's one of the bigger issues with so this get, movie. So he gets really aggressive with the ball. And then Rick's like, if you're not even gonna try him leaving, he throws the glove down, he goes inside, and then crash, a ball goes through the window right behind him. And Rick's like, this kid threw a ball at me. And then we cut to Frank talking with Susan. Uh, and she's like, yeah, he threw a ball at Rick. Oh, no, he t- he just, he we cut to him talking with Danny about it. And yeah. he's like, Danny, why'd you do that ball? And he's like, I just get so angry all the time, Dad. And it's like, Rick was being so mean with me or whatever. Like, he was, like, throwing the ball really hard at me. Yeah. So I threw really hard back at him. And, um... <laughs> that's basically and he's like I want to live with you dad and he's like oh, you know people don't want my boats I can't afford that yeah Um. and then there's really not like a lot in terms of beats that happen in this <laughs> well I think it's pretty the ne- the quickly next the, we then get to the the big scene the big scene so Vaughn comes home and Susan tells him I'm pregnant oh right and then that makes Danny mad so he runs away or he, he climbs out the window and hides in the back of Rick's uh, station wagon. Yeah. And then Rick drives away in it. Danny's just laying down in the back. He picks up Ray. And he says, I gotta I gotta run a, I gotta run an errand or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah, he picks up Ray. Ray gets in the car. Vaughn and Buscemi have ne- not seen this kid hiding in yeah. the backseat yet. Which is plausible. Yeah. Like I so think that- it's true. And by the way, this was like this was foreshadowed with like in the very beginning of the movie, the way the kid leaves a basketball game is he hops in somebody's car yeah. or the trunk. So this is again, what I'm saying. It's like the first act. Well, yeah, as now as we're talking about it, it does set it, up payoff. Well, it's set up, it sets up and pays off pretty well. But then we get to the scene where this movie like jumps the shark and just keeps flying. Yeah. So they're, they're driving through downtown and, and it's raining. He's telling Buscemi, I'm going to take you to uh, the place where the money's stashed. Yeah. And he's like, it's at this old brickworks. So they drive to the old brickworks and they pull in. And he's like, uh, can you grab my the bag in the back? Yeah. And so Buscemi turns around and he sees the kid and he's like, oh, you're not going to believe. And then, and then, and then s- stabs him in the heart with an ice pick. The ice man cometh. <laughs> he just <laughs> stabs him right through the heart. Buscemi immediately dies. Immediately dies. And... Uh, Danny's terrified. Danny sees all this happen. And so Rick takes Buscemi's body and drags it out and puts it in a brick incinerator that's perfectly human-shaped. I mean, I kind of thought, is this like a, this isn't like a mortuary. No, it's a brickyard. It's a brickyard, it's a but it works. has like a, yeah, it does have like it a. It has a smelting a thing a that's exactly size. the size of a gurney. Yeah, that you would normally see in like when they cremate people. Yeah. But this is a brickyard. Yeah, brickworks. I never thought about that. Like, I actually kind of just like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure brick brickworks do have places. I'm like sure. This, but... Like, I just kind of thought, like, okay, I, I buy that part. Mm-hmm. But then the kid, like, Danny gets out of the car and he's like immediately in like survival mode. Yeah. Like, oh shit, my dad. And the Halloween music starts playing as Vaughn's like walking around with this ice pick, all Michael Myers style, as Buscemi burns in the background. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Danny escapes and he runs to Frank's and he tells Frank. Everything. And all this happens off screen, by yes. the way. But so when Danny escapes, we just see Vince Vaughn get back in the Suburban, drive away. And he gets home. He and gets home and there's cop there. cars there. She's like, Danny ran away. And she's like, he's telling this awful story that you murdered somebody. Yeah. And the cops are like, hey, so we need you to come to the station. We're going to talk to Danny and uh, make sure we talk about something. Mm. So happening side by side is Danny... Frank and a detective yes. are, a, are are in a uh, 
and I, so far to my knowledge, I believe it's just Danny Frank and then a detective. Yes. But then more and more people start joining this yeah. conversation, which should not be in the room yes. when this happens. And it's like, yeah, this kid accused someone of murder. We're going to bring them in the room We're going to bring them in the room with them. <laughs> so they bring all the family together in this room. And they're all talking about it. And he's just like, yeah, like he died. And like Vince Vaughn is right there in the room. Yeah, and he's, he's like, saying. I didn't kill nobody. And he's like, stop it, Danny. You're hurting Rick's feelings and they're like he killed somebody <laughs> and, the, and they're all like ah oh, he's making this out. and I'm like this is a pretty elaborate story to be making up all of it all of it like the like if he was just like yeah I was out with my stepdad and he killed a guy and then I ran away and he didn't but, know like I think the crux of it that made it like hard for the cops was like he didn't know the guy's name yeah because if they knew if it was Ray then okay quick they can check where was Ray staying why were you who were you meeting with like they didn't ask frank any questions yeah. by the way they don't ask them what were you doing out in yeah. your suburban i was running some errands can anyone verify that mm -hmm. do you have an alibi like they don't they're ask, just like ah so your kids are from immediately dismissive the cop even says it's like i'm sick and tired of this kid's bullshit like they, they send cops to check out the brickworks and to check out the car. They can find no evidence. There's no evidence. Vince Vaughn literally just like rubs a rag on the seat where he yeah. stabbed the guy, and they like and they find black light. There's gonna be like blood stains or something. Like it's the worst investigation. The worst. And um, did he wear gloves? Like I don't know. There's so many instances yeah. that cops should have been able to like figure and this so out they in like two seconds. Danny home with. With uh, Rick yeah. and Susan. And Frank's like, I'm not, why are you lying to me, kid? And then overnight, he, he, he stands on a pier and is like, the kid's never lied to me before. He's telling the truth. And so the next day. Well, wait a second. Because he goes home with Rick and Susan and he's like, I don't want to go back with him. I don't want to go back with him. And like, at this point, Frank Travolta is like a little concerned for Danny, but he doesn't really believe in the story right away. He's like, well, like I like Danny, I really think he should stop. He's like, you don't believe me, do you? He's like, he has like an overnight come to Jesus moment. Well, what happened? Because then he talks to Rick, Frank, and Rick talk yeah. about it, and he's like, you know, Danny never lied. To you me. know, Danny lies. Danny does lie. He lies to his mom. He lies to police. But Danny doesn't lie to me. He never lies to me. He's like, wait, you don't actually think I did this? And he's like, probably not. But that's not enough. I don't want Prob my kid to live in with a probably. Yes. Which, so that I was cool with. Yeah. That I was okay with. I mm -hmm. was like, you know, if you're like a dad and you're like not 100% certain, like yeah, that, that enough. That you're, um, the kid, person your kid's living with might be a murderer. But then overnight, he's like, no, he did this. Like yeah. Rick 100% He immediately goes this. into a custody battle. He immediately does. He like takes him from school and like literally kidnaps him. Yeah. He kidnapped Gets immediately him. pulled over by the cops. Immediately pulled over by the cops, and then Travolta doesn't get arrested, per se. No, his wife doesn't press charges. But he but he does have to, like, the kid does have to go stay with yeah. his, like, uh, Susan and, and Rick. And the night before custody the custody battle, battle uh, Danny's just in his room, and he locks the door, and he thinks he sees footsteps outside. Footsteps go, and he turns around. <gasps> Vince Vaughn's in his room. Vince Vaughn's in his <laughs> room. There's a second door he forgot to close. <laughs> and this is another moment when Vince Vaughn's supposed to be scary and yeah. is just not. And he's just like, oh, what's the deal with swingers, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so he, like, puts him in a chokehold, Yeah, I think. He's right? like, if you, uh, you say anything to the judge about yeah. what Your mom saying. would be upset if uh, you left. Yeah. And if you don't want anything to happen to your dad. He basically threatens him. He threatens and, to kill Frank. Yeah. So then cut to the next day. They're at the court custody battle. Mm -hmm. And the Travolta's lawyer invites Danny to the stand. And they ask Danny. And Danny lies. What happened? And Danny says, I lied. I lied. And Travolta's I, like, what? Yeah. He's and like, then, no. It, did he threaten you? Did he threaten you? Travolta gets drunk. His girlfriend leaves him <laughs> because she put it. I forgot about yeah, his girlfriend. She, she him. leaves him because she's like, you put your wife through this custody battle for nothing. Um, weird strange um and he gets drunk and then he has a mem he has a moment where he kind of oh he still doesn't really know what to believe because danny's not talking to him because he feels guilty and so he he confronts danny and rick one night after rick wins citizen of the year award or something like that right yeah and he's drunk yeah and he, he, he punches rick 
And then they he gets back to his truck, and then Danny is like, "Oh, you dropped drop, your wallet!" Drop, drops his wallet, Danny's own wallet. Yeah. And then picks it up, and then runs to Travolta in his car. Says, "Hey, you dropped your wallet!" Like, no, I didn't. It's like, "Hey, Dad, you really got to stop pushing him. Yeah. He says he's gonna like hurt, kill you, kill you, or whatever." So then, that's when he's he like just doesn't respond, and then Danny goes back. Cut to that night at Rick and Susan's house once again. Uh, Rick appears. And Rick threatens appears him. and threatens him again. He says, "What did you tell him?" It's like, "Hey, no, this is the one. With oh, the, this is yeah, the one with the, the mirror, mu- the mirror bit with the wallet, right?" He's like, "Hey, yeah. I think I lost five dollars." He's like, "I think I was hooting and hollering at this shot. I got a video. I thought it was so funny because this is really dramatic pan." Around this. Oh my god! <laughs> like you're expecting the reveal of like a monster or serial killer or something. It's just Vince, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> like the dude from Swingers is just hanging out. God, you're right. This god, movie really need, does. I, I just fucking like... tell you, Steve Buscemi should have been played by John Favreau. Uh, <laughs> they should have just had made it a Swingers reunion. Well, like this, like, this movie, movie really does hinge on. It has the aesthetics of a slasher. Yeah, it does, but as as it's just Vince Vaughn, and that's why it's so funny. I was, do you remember? Was it Cape Fear, where it's got like Robert De Niro in yeah. it? And like that's it's kind of a similar like only Robert De Niro is like a what, what's his role in that? I forget. But it's like a similar thing where you have to make an ordinary man seem scary. Yeah, like the crazy neighbor like ordeal, right? Yeah. Um, I'm just looking it up. A convicted rapist released from prison after serving. But um oh well that's not really the same thing. Well, I guess no it is kind of the same thing. Like Cape Fear, I mean like they do build up um like Robert De Niro has to be scary mm-hmm. in that movie. He has to be fear. Right. And yeah, Cape Fear. But like look at him in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he that would be scary. Yes. If, if you, I saw that guy coming That out. same shot with the mirror and it was Robert De Niro. Yeah. You would be freaked out. De Niro could have played that role. De Niro could have played that role. Um, but instead, it's that very hilarious Vince Vaughn just appearing. Yeah. Just uh, not a thing. I was I was genuinely like having a really good time with the second half of this movie because it's just so absurd. It just is Vince Vaughn becoming a slasher villain. A trying to become a slasher yes. villain. Keyword. Um, he threaten he threatens Danny again. Um and so then we are back with Travolta and he starts his investigation. Yeah. Um and how what how does his invest oh he's he starts going to every motel in town to try and find out where Ray Walton stood. Because he thinks Ray was the one who died yeah. because he's like, Yeah, Danny would not have known who Ray was. Yeah. But I think but they, Ray has, w- they were up to some shitty business and they both lied about how they knew each other yeah which he tells the cops that and they're just like whatever stop bugging him like like these cops are so fucking dumb this is like these are the kids movie cops Mm. except it's a pg-13 drama (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah he goes to every motel eventually finds him at like the cozy cone or whatever the fuck it's called he says when did he leave he's like uh october something something and he's like really that day because it's the same day yeah, that same Danny day that calls. He disappears. So he's like, oh, man, like you have that rec- on record? And he's like, yeah. And he pulls out his records. And, and they find out he, there was a call girl he used a lot. Yeah. So Travolta goes and talks to her. She's like, he owes me money. And he's like, get in line. Yeah. And he buys uh, Roy's lighter from her. Yeah, um, he has Ray's lighter. So he takes that to the police. And he's like, dust it for prints. They dust it for prints and they can only find hers. Yeah. And Charles like, ah, no, I've been fooled. Um, he runs into Rick outside, who kind of threatens him. Does Rick threaten him? He kind of does. He was like, and and he Charles just tells him, "I think you did it. I know you did it. I'm gonna find the proof." Yeah. Again, I must have zoned out. Yeah. In this part. Um, and this is this is basically leading us to the end. No way. Yeah. Because after this, Travolta, um. He has a moment of revelation because he's sitting at his desk and he sees a picture of Danny in a in a basketball jersey. And he's like, <gasps> so he runs back to the prostitute's house. And he's like, you said all he did was uh, shag and watch basketball. What team did he root for? And then it cuts to him typing in the word Chicago. Right. Because he was watching the Chicago Bulls. It's the Chicago bank robbers. Yeah. And he looks up Roy Chicago, Roy Walton or whatever his name is. And they find a newspaper article about four racketeering. Yeah, three of them don't look like uh, 
Oh, one of them is Vin, um, Vince Vaughn. Um, right. Well, one of the three that he looks at who were convicted were um, was Steve Buscemi, and then he clicks on another name and it's Vince Vaughn, the one who got away. Yeah, Rick Barnes. Uh, his name is like Jack something. Oh yeah, his real name. Jack Stevens his name or yeah. something. And so Trolta emails that to the police, and then he prints out a copy. And then who appears then behind him? Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Who punches him and then lights his fact, his boat making place on fire. Boat making place, his shipyard. His <laughs> shipyard on fire. Yeah, with like a paint thinner or whatever. Yeah. He just grabs whatever's around. But uh, then Vaughn is the worst ball. fucking group. But this goop ball. <laughs> this jamoke. Talk about. He's literally like Ghostface from Scream. Where like he just is incompetent. Yeah, he just like immediately lights himself on fire. Yeah, he tries to light a lighter, but he poured enough kerosene or gas on his arm that as soon as he lights it, his arm goes up in yeah. flames. He's like, ah! <laughs> he like, rips his sleeve off, yanks off his jacket, and then he runs out, <laughs> leaving Trolls alive. Like I'm just trying to think. Your whole point of this movie is to make a slasher and to make the stepdad look like a dangerous, serious guy. He's such guy. A, a goof. Yeah, but they add that in the movie to make him look more incompetent yeah. and a goof. Like, come on. So, yeah, the shipyard burns. John Travolta wakes up. Yeah, and he runs out. And he gets out well, before it explodes. A log falls on him from the ceiling, and then Michael Caine appears and says, <laughs> What was the point of all those push-ups if you can't even lift a bloody log? <laughs> Fuck and you. he pushes the log off. Michael Caine has disappeared at this point. We don't know where he went and why he was there. <laughs> and Trolter runs out of the, the burning uh, boat, boat factory or whatever the fuck. He makes it out before it explodes. And then explodes. Yeah. And uh, Danny and uh, his wife are, and Susan are watching this. Danny's obviously very concerned that his dad might have just exploded. Yeah. Much like uh, Uncle Bob before him. Ah, oh, shit. Uh, there's an urban cowboy throwback. Oh, God. Um, I wrote in my notebook, this is the worst criminal ever. <laughs> and then I wrote the words, this is amazing, right afterward. <laughs> so what? it's the house after that, right? Yeah. Because, you know, they, like the mom <laughs> knows. It's like, oh, they're like, oh, hey, like uh, they're getting they're getting in the car. Danny runs upstairs and he's like crying. Obviously, he's upset. But then when Susan goes to the bathroom, she looks in and Rick is tending to his burned arm. Oh, she's like, oh, he started the fire. She's like, Danny, we got to get out of here. Which is like. I guess is a good deduction. Yeah, and she makes a and she makes a pretty solid argument to to Rick. She's like, "Yeah, he's just very concerned. I'm going to take him. I don't think you should be there." And Rick like kind of goes along with it. He right. understands it. But then he sees it. He gets Frank a, calls them. Frank and calls. Rick notices. And cuz he checks caller ID. Whoa! Oh no. And so the end of the Scream franchise. <laughs> <laughs> caller ID. And so they um what happens right after? Oh, the uh, well, they're so, in the garage. Yeah, and Rick comes in, like takes Susan out of the car, but then before he can do anything worse, Trolls just like fucking barrels into well, the room. Is that what? No, what happens oh, no. is so like uh, they hit him somehow because they trap him in the garage or something. Yeah, they trap him in the garage and they lock all the doors to the house. And then they're about to call the police, but then he pulls the land. He pulls the landline. Yeah, from which is in the garage. Um, and then he gets in the house, mm-hmm. like he breaks through a window, yeah. I think. And this is where I'm like fuzzy on details, but so he knocks out Susan. Yeah. By the way, she lost her baby at that point. Yeah, she apparently. miscarries. She miscarries. As a result of him hitting her. It's totally like it's a very glossed It's over. a very glossed over. Very strange. Part. Like, it's almost kind of celebrated. Like, I'm yeah. sorry about your baby. She's like, oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> it's um, not but... with a serial killer. And then he chases after um, Danny, Danny upstairs. Who, like, they have, like, little Mike Myers, Michael Myers back and forth. Yeah. I um, mean, he uh, successfully, like, sneaks behind him and whacks him with a baseball bat. Yeah. And Rick goes down. So then he, and then, and then that's when he goes to get his mom. And he's trying to get a phone, and he runs in the garage and tries to find her cell phone in the car. And that's when Rick just appears behind him. Yeah, and like is trying to choke him. And that's when, the, like, this guy is dead ass like a Michael Myers, where he's just like, dirt, 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 just like walking around choking people, choking people, surviving anything they throw at him. He's like lit on fire, whacking the head with a metal bat. Yeah, 
And then Travolta barrels into the room. Barrels into the room. A fight breaks out. Electric starts. <laughs> they bring a cable and like there's sparks flying everywhere. Yeah, they're like they're throwing punches yeah. and like they're tussling. Yeah. He swings a chair. He swings a crowbar or something. And, he and smashes it, him through like the window, the yeah. car. Like, and it ends with um. It's a whole. Stunt. Vaughn has a crowbar. Yeah. And Travolta positions himself in front of the electrical box. And Vaughn swings the crowbar and it hits the uh, electrical like, box. Ah! And he shocks him. He shocks himself to death. And what he dies. A fucking goofball. <laughs> what a moke. Did we really get through the entire plot of that movie that fast? Hey, we're not done yet. Uh, uh, after I, this, they all reconcile. Uh, they apologize that you miscarried and they drive off to the hospital and the movie ends. Still care to talk about the hair? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. The hair. Cue the hangar king music. Welcome to the hair raking report. Uh, so the hair. Does this hair not exist as much as this movie does? Wait, what? I was asking if the hair is non-existent because this movie doesn't exist. Uh, no, it exists. <laughs> this hair is going to be like, I think this is good hair. This is good hair. This I is like this really hair. This good. is it's complimentary to him. Like, can you pull up the list and I'll pull up a photo? Yeah. Because I saw this and the first thing I thought was... Ooh, this is going high. Oh, my God. The hair. So this is kind of a callback to, like, his long hair days. Yeah. It's a little bit, like, how should I put this? It's, it's not, not, like, quite super... angelic like Michael. Right. It's, like, halfway between, like, it's almost, it's, like, 40%. Nah, not even that much. It's, like, 30% of the way to Michael hair. Yeah. So I'm just looking for a good photo of like John Travolta's hair. Okay, I think that that might be the best I got. All right, so let me see this. Where does Michael land? Oh, he's really high. He's like Michael. Put it below Swordfish above Shout. Whoa. Yeah, I think that's where it's gonna go. Below Swordfish above Shout. You got it. Did that? That's did a I, new number nine. That's a new number nine. Whoa, a lot, a lot of new arrivals up here coming in for a movie that doesn't exist. It, it has a pretty good um, ranking here. There we go. Domestic disturbance. I'm not quite sure why this movie's called domestic. I mean, I guess there's a domestic disturbance at the end. It's all about relationship or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's the hair. Um, it's good hair. Very good hair. It's good hair. So it, I think it deserves that spot. Okay. So, uh, we just talked about the movie. Uh, do you have the post context? How yeah, it so did? So this movie comes out. It was made for $75 million, as you said. $75 million. Fuck. Um, big flop. Well, how much did it make? makes $54 million. So it loses 20 not accounting for like marketing and all those extra costs. Uh, so it's another flop for Travolta in his string of flops he's in right now. Not good for him. Not good. Uh, this movie has a 24% Rotten Tomatoes. That reason, exactly what I would say my final thoughts on this movie are. Well made, but extremely predictable. Domestic Disturbance is an average thriller that may work better on TV. That's, a, that's, that's a, exactly that my is, thoughts. That is the perfect descriptor of it. Roger Ebert awarded it one and a half stars out of four. And uh, he said, the Chicago film critics were shown the long rat last reel. They were shown a reel without sound for the end of the movie. And he says, he saw the correct one the following Monday and scathingly said of it in his review, the earlier reel is lacking the final music. Music is the last thing wrong with the reel. Wow. <laughs> wow. Roger Ebert, uh, not a fan. Um, Travolta gets nominated for another Razzie for this year, which is just like, they're kicking the guy at this point. He, there are significantly worse performances than the ones that he's giving right now. I just like, what is their beef with yeah. him? Like, if I was Travolta, I would just, like, be walking down the sidewalk, and the Razzies is, like, that guy who'd be like, yo, wanka, and I would yeah. turn around and be like, what the fuck's your problem, yeah. dude? I mean, he's in the place Adam Sandler got is in now, where just, like, they give him Razzies for literally everything, deserved or not, when there's probably worse movies that came out. They don't actually do their homework. Yeah. All they do is... They're they, just there for the lols. They're just there for the lols, and it's like, hey, what did Travolta do? Well, he was in this actual good... Nominated for a Razzie! Mm-hmm. And that's that's the Razzies for you, but um, yeah, not movie has no impact on his career at this point, which is not what he needs right now. This is this is a very bad string of events he's going through. Well, it's like it's 
just another one of flops that he's been yeah. in now. So first it was Battlefield Earth and then Lucky Numbers and Swordfish made some money, right? Uh I, I can't, can't remember. remember. We I mean we just there was a, we had a we, we had a bit of a break in recording. So you folks just heard Swordfish last week. Um but it's been a while since we talked about Swordfish. Swordfish did not make a lot of money. It only made forty million over its budget. Um so account of your marketing and all that did not make a big profit. Okay. So, but it wasn't a flop. Yeah. It was just well, it was a mega flop. It was just a it did whatever. A little flop. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's not looking good. Not looking good for a Yeah, boy things Johnny are not T. looking good. And we're still in the A-list era. Yeah. According to you. We are still in the A-list era. He's still getting like this is an A-list role. He's still getting A-list roles. How many more do we have until we get to tra- uh the tra- Travolta exploitation. Somewhere like seven or eight. Seven or eight. 2008 is kind of the last year where things shift for him. It's where he kind of falls out of Hollywood's graces. Mm. Yeah. But our third and final phase of John Travolta's career because it has not changed yet. Yes. Until something, until he has his comeback role, which I want to believe is going to happen. Which is what movie? I have no idea. (laughs) You don't think it's going to be a sequel to a certain. I don't think it's going to be a sequel to anything, but I hope it's... What? You don't think it's going to be a sequel to anything? Oh, we'll talk about that. I'm just saying. I got, I got a pitch. We're going to talk about I it. I know you got a pitch. We got a whole episode. We're going to talk about my pitch. Um, okay. But yeah, that's domestic disturbance. Any final thoughts? Um, Mine are just that Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> score. Yeah, honestly, I would probably give this a 25%. Yeah. For me, uh, just because of I'm how somewhere around like forty-ish, it's not good. But I was entered. I thought it was very funny, purely on the merits of the movie, not on Travolta. Because mm-hmm. I think Travolta, he has some stumbles in this movie, performance-wise. But for the most part, I he's good. I'm he's o- fine. I'm okay with him. Uh, the first act of this movie like sets itself kind of cooks pretty nicely, but it just flies off the rails mm-hmm. the rest of the movie. So, yeah, I I dozed off and you know, just kind of checked out a few times because yeah. I would check back in and sure enough, the thing I would guess would happen happened because it's so predictable. So yeah, those are my final thoughts. It's, yeah. I mean, that's my thought. I wish I had more to say, but this is one of those movies that we've had like, like mad city where there's really not much to talk about. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, what, um, what, 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 are, what are, what are we gracing our audience with next week? Thank you folks for listening to this episode of Domestic Disturbance. Next week, you have Austin Powers in Gold Member to look forward to. That is a hoot of an episode that we definitely have not recorded it yet. No, we um, haven't. With guest Alex Wilson, who I think you folks are really going to enjoy. When you hear him. When you hear him. We haven't heard we him haven't yet. Heard him yet. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, please remember to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Give us a like, review, all the all the favorites. Find us at Travolting Pod on Twitter or Instagram. TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions. Find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Uh, find me on Instagram at Stuart, Stuart Elmore95. I am recently unemployed. <laughs> so Yo, we're, we're back to the original days. We're back to the original days here. Where you're the uh, the one. Well, this this episode's coming out in you, so you might actually be employed again. I might be employed by the time this comes out, but as of when we were recording this, yeah. Uh, you're, you're on a break. I'm on a break right now, which we love to see. You earned it. Thank you. Um, and as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bogen Smith for our theme. Music. Love them both. That is now taking you out. See you folks next week for Austin Powers in Goldmember, a movie that John Trolta is actually in, if you were curious. Yeah.